No, the count. And here a turns on one. Green light 3-0, and she's gone. Three to nothing, Brewers. Guest in here, uh, pops number 16. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. The Milwaukee Brewers are such a tease. They they really are. They're such a tease. Even when they're playing well and they're rattling off wins and, and you feel like everything is going well. Do they, they never sweep series, right? They'll win on Friday and Saturday, but they can never seem to come through with that Sunday win. They can never sweep a series, even when they're playing well, right? And even when they're playing poorly and we're down on the Brewers and it feels like the knockout punch is coming. They somehow manage to squirm their way in today. They avoid... The sweep. The Brewers winning four to one uh, to wrap up the three-game series with the Cardinals. Unreal, unreal, unreal. The Brewers are the biggest tease uh, in in Wisconsin sports. Even when they're playing well, they can't complete the sweep, and even when they're playing poorly, and, and you feel like you're ready to give up on them, they go out and and and, and save the series, salvage the series uh, by winning that final game. It's just been the, the story of the Brewers' 2019 season. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I hope you're having an awesome afternoon, an awesome evening. It's made a lot better when the Brewers win. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what today's win means. Uh, the Brewers are still not in a great spot in the standings. Uh, that's certainly sure. You look at the, the NL Central, the Brewers actually have really not been in a worse place in the standings all season long. You look at the NL Central right now, the Cardinals are leading it. They're playing great baseball. Cardinals are playing great. They're turning it on at the right time, as the Cardinals have always done, it feels like, right? A well-buttoned-up organization that has always kind of been uh, the cream of the crop in Major League Baseball. And as we talked about yesterday, right, that's what the best franchises do. No matter the coach, no matter the best starting pitcher, no matter the best player, they always seem to be playing well at the right time, right? The Cardinals always seem to save their best baseball for the end of the season. The Patriots always seem to save their best baseball for the end of the season. Remember, the beginning of the year, April and in May, the Brewers killed the Cardinals. And they started 5-1 and one against the Cardinals in their first six games. And Christian Yelich was unbeatable. Well, month left in the season. It's crunch time. Pennant race is underway. And the Cardinals are playing their best baseball. What's new? Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always lose that weird game to the Dolphins lose that weird game, I I don't know, to the Ravens early on in in September, and you go, oh my God, maybe this is the end for the Patriots. Well, come the end of the year, come December, when the games matter, when the playoffs are on the line, when seeding is on the line, they're playing their best football. That's what the best franchises do. That's what the best teams do. That's what the Cardinals are doing right now. They're leading the division uh, 73-59. and Second place uh, are the Cubs. They're 70-61, and two and a half games back, and the Brewers are five and a half games back. And not only did the Brewers salvage their series today, but they they kind of salvaged their season, right? And, and I feel like we've we've said that a couple of times, right? The Brewers have gotten a win that has saved their season or kept them afloat, right? Feel like it's happened a couple of times. Like I said, the Brewers are a tease, right? Even when they're playing well, they can never seem to complete the sweep. 
They can never seem to, to, to deal that knockout punch to their opponent. Well, likewise, and you got to give them credit outside of a series or two this year, they've been decent, decently good at avoiding sweeps by the Cubs and by the Cardinals as well. And just another example today, you, we were ready to come in today, dance on the Brewers' grave. Oh my God, you lost three in a row uh, against your biggest rival, your most important opponent right now at the most important time of the year, and they were able to salvage a game. Of course, because that's what the Brewers have uh, have done all year. They just tease you, and I have a feeling that's going to take us all the way until the end of September, getting our hopes up or getting our hopes down and and only to have the Brewers uh, go the complete uh, opposite way. The Brewers got a decent start out of Jordan Lyles today. He went five and a third, only gave up one earned run. He's been able to eat uh, innings for the Brewers, at least more innings than other starting pitchers. I'm not going to act like five and a third is incredible, is otherworldly, it's not. But when the alternative is eight runs through two innings, in the case of Gio Gonzalez, or only pitching three innings, okay, well, five and a third relatively uh, is is pretty darn good. Josh Hader was probably the most important piece in today's win. Because I don't think today's win, Brewers winning four to one against the Cardinals, that game wrapped up about an hour ago here on WKTY. I I don't think this win means a whole hell of a lot. I don't think the Brewers are going to make the playoffs. Division or wild card. So wins and losses become a little bit less important now. Something big that you can take out of today's game, and hopefully uh, this trend continues, is Josh Hader pitched pretty darn well. He got the save after blowing, uh, well, an uncomfortable amount of saves in, in his last uh, handful of attempts, right? He hasn't been great, and it's it's odd enough. Before today, Josh Hader has blown uh, his last three save opportunities and four of five. So in August, Josh Hader had blown his previous three and four of his last five. Okay, they brought him in in the eighth with a 3-1 lead. Keston here doubled in a run to make that cushion a little bit easier in the ninth. Uh, and Josh Hader was able to pitch his way out of it. That's the important part of today's game, right? That's Even if the Brewers don't make the playoffs this year, that's something that they can work on, something that they can go with, because Josh Hader had been struggling, right? Giving up home runs. His fastball is has been figured out. By some by some opponent hitters, right? Well, today he actually threw a lot of breaking balls. He threw nine breaking balls, eight of them for strikes, right? The, the good old Jerry Augustine uh, breaking ball, right? I tweeted about that after the game at uh, Keystroker Grant. You can find me, Josh Hader, throwing breaking balls. Throwing breaking balls, which is obviously a, an oddity, right? Uh, um, outside of the trend, let's say, for Josh Hader. Maybe trying to not reinvent himself, but adjust and adapt as good hitters uh, and good pitchers have to do to to stay ahead of their competition. The Brewers need Josh Hader. Even if the Brewers aren't going to make the playoffs this year, in the long run, the Brewers need Josh Hader. Because without him, what are the Brewers? Let's say Josh Hader turns into the next Derek Turnbow or the next John Axford. That reliever who is really good for a year or two. That closer who had a great season but then dropped off. If Josh Hader becomes the next Derek Turnbow or the next John Axford, going into 2020, what do the Brewers have? They have Christian Yelich. Absolutely, I think that's the one asset you can't debate. But Lorenzo Cain is aging. Ryan Braun is aging. Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns, man, if you don't doubt them after this season, you're just not paying attention. Corey Knable's coming off Tommy John. Jeremy Jeffress, I who knows? The Brewers have, right now, one 100% surefire asset for next season, and that's Christian Yelich. They need Josh Hader. 
Because if Josh Hader continues to decline and falls off the, the face of the baseball earth, like we've seen with so many Brewers relievers, especially closers, they don't have one pitching asset to hang their hat on going into next year. What starting pitcher at this point, other than maybe Brandon Woodruff, but he wasn't able to finish the season. He had to, he, he was injured. He, may reg- he might regress next year. Who knows? The Brewers have one known asset for next year in Christian Yelich. And if Josh Hader can turn it around and be elite once again and be a huge piece of that Brewers pitching staff next year, well, now all of a sudden you, you have a little bit of a foundation to build on. You have your, your star offensive player, you have your star pitcher, and you can build around those players. But if Josh Hader falls off, you got Christian Yelich. And don't get me wrong, I love Christian Yelich, and, and he was the MVP last year. Uh, there's a shot he could win the MVP this year. But that's all the Brewers would have. Christian Yelich is that good, don't get me wrong, but so is Mike Trout. And what have, what have the Angels been able to do with him? Need as many assets as possible. And right now you have Christian Yelich. Hopefully you have Josh Hader for next year. And if you really want to be optimistic, Keston Hira is probably an asset like that as well. And Guy texts in on the five-star telecom talking text line and reminds me of that. Keston Hira is one player that, that probably should be included in that group as well. 608-796-2558 is the number of the five-star telecom talking text line if you want to call in, text in. Thank you for the reminder, Guy. Going into next year, if the if the Brewers season ended today, they'd have Christian Yelich, who is a bona fide superstar. Keston here is not that. Keston here is a piece to, to build around, hopefully, and a player who's trending in the right direction, a young player with a lot of club control, but he's not Christian Yelich. But what about the pitching, right? Jeremy Jeffress, uh, Corey Knable, I just had Tommy John. Uh, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta are bigger question marks than ever before. You need Josh Hader because he's the one pitcher that the Brewers can build around moving forward. And if the Brewers don't have a pitcher to build around, then watch the Brewers become the Angels with Mike Trout and, and no playoff success. Christian Yelich and no playoff success. I hope that's, that, that that's not what happens to the Brewers. But Josh Hader's a big cornerstone of this team, and they're going to need him moving forward. And today it certainly was uh, was re-encouraging or encouraging to see him get back uh, back on the right track. we got a lot of different topics to get to today. I want to talk Badgers in a couple of minutes. Jack Cohn was named the starter this previous weekend, and we touched on it for a moment or two. But most of our focus this week has been on the Brewers, been on the Packers. So I do want to talk college football because the Badgers start this weekend. We're going to have college football this weekend. A lot of college football. Not like some weird games on weird networks with schools you've never heard of, but legit college football. Let's talk about that coming up. I want to talk Packers. I want to talk Vikings. And we're going to talk some local action as well with Drew Kelly before the end of the show as well. A lot to get to. Hang around. We're going to have a lot of fun. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, coming up in about a half hour, we're going to talk to Drew Kelly because high school football is going to kick back up tomorrow night and on Friday. Uh, he'll talk to us about some of the interesting matchups and the matchups that we are going to be covering uh, coming up near the end of this week. So Drew Kelly on the way at 545. Packers talk coming up soon as well. Right now, I want to talk about college football. I want to talk about real-life, actual, bona fide football and a full Saturday of doing nothing 
but sitting on the couch and just taking it in. Are you ready for some football? Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, I am. 100%. I cannot wait. I hope this upcoming Saturday is the nicest Saturday of the summer. I hope it's beautiful. And I just get to waste it by sitting on the couch and watching college football. That's such a good feeling, knowing that you've just squandered a beautiful Saturday doing nothing. Maybe you sit next to the window and you have the window open so you get a little bit of that fresh breeze, that fall air, right? But just knowing that you've wasted a beautiful Saturday sitting on the couch watching college football, oh, there's no better feeling. You want to talk college football, you can join me, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Shoot me a tweet, at Keystroker Grant, or you can tweet us all at WKTY. Uh, this this previous weekend uh, was a weekend of big announcements, right? Andrew Luck announced his retirement. The Packers cut Josh Jones. The Brewers DFA'd Yolish Shasin. Uh, and also tucked in there were the Badgers uh, announcing their depth chart for the upcoming uh, opener and, and Jack Cohen being named the starter. Now, to me, to you, to Badgers fans in the know, to Wisconsin sports fans in the know, this was not a surprise. Right. And this this has not this has been a fact. This has been common knowledge that Jack Cohen is far and away better than the other two or three quarterbacks and is going to start week one. That has been common knowledge. If you have sought out common knowledge, if you have listened, if you've been paying attention, you would have known that. Right. This is this is not a surprise to many. It was a surprise. And, and what I find interesting is the most passionate Badger fans. Right. were upset. They're saying, man, I love this team. I've followed this team for years. How can they make a mistake like this? Well, if you really loved the Badgers that much and you were really that passionate about following them, then then you would have known that Jack Cohen has been by far and away the best quarterback on this roster since the spring and that there's real reason to start him over Graham Mertz or Chase Wolf. I don't think that anybody out there is clamoring for, for Chase Wolf. Uh, to be named the starter. I think it was mostly Graham Mertz. But if you fall into that category, all the same. If you are a passionate Badger fan and you follow the team, then you should have known because you would have taken 10 seconds to do a little bit of reading to listen to a show like this one or the Bill Michaels show or, or Dave and Scrady in the morning. Take your pick, right? This should not have been a surprise and it certainly should not have taken passionate, right, dedicated Badger fans off guard because this is just something they should have known. In things that I've read about uh, Jack Cohen and, and, and you know, maybe news stories that I've watched or podcasts I've listened to, I, I keep seeing the word leadership. I keep seeing the word maturity, confidence, right, off the field, right? Uh, off the field, there's been a lot of growth for Jack Cohen from what I've read, from what I've heard, from people that I've talked to, like our friend Zach Heilprin at The Zone, like our friend Ebo at the zone, Jesse Temple of the Athletic, Jason Galloway, Jay Kokorowski, they all do great work and they're all very, very dedicated uh, on reporting the facts, reporting what goes on inside Camp Randall, not only on the field, but at practice, in the weight room, right, in social circles, in recruiting, in scholarships. Take your pick. They do a great job. Everything that I hear and say has almost been about the off-field growth of Jack Cohen, right? Off the field and in his personal life, in his social life on the team, that the team has really embraced him, right? And it hasn't been this this forced leadership, right? Jack Cohen has not forced it. He's not saying, well, I'm the leader, listen to me, blah, 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 blah. It sounds like his teammates and his brothers, if you want to talk about it in, in, that, in that sense as well, has have really accept, accepted him as a genuine leader. 
as a guy who who can really communicate with all sorts of players and player groups, players from different backgrounds, that the maturity, the leadership, the confidence has been there, and that he he appears far and away uh, better equipped to be the starting quarterback than either Chase Wolf or or Graham Mertz. I, I truly believe that losing Alex Hornibrook will be addition by subtraction, meaning no matter who the starting quarterback is, they will be better for this football team than Alex Hornibrook. Let me explain what I mean. Because Alex Hornibrook had his moments, right? Most Alex Hornibrook fans are now gone, but the ones that held on to the bitter end defended the BYU performance two years ago, the Orange Bowl performance, right? He had his moments. The the talent was there. Where I think Alex Hornibrook really wore his teammates thin, wore his coaches thin, was in in his personal life, the leadership, the maturity, the confidence. Now, I I haven't heard this from from our friend Zach Heilprin or from Ebo, and I haven't certainly read this uh, in in any Badger publications or or independent publications. But I'm 21 years old. Uh, I have multiple friends who are my age uh, from either my hometown or from the surrounding area who are playing football currently on that roster in at UW Madison in Madison who have just shared little tidbits here and there of what life with Alex Hornibrook was like and how other players received him. It was not good. In fact, it was quite horrible. Multiple stories, multiple little incidents where I heard of Alex Hornibrook just kind of being a shoddy guy, being a skeevy guy. And it ultimately came to a head last year when Alex Hornibrook basically said, screw this, I'm quitting the team. And he walked away. And Jack Cohen took over. And Alex Hornibrook wasn't on the sideline with the clipboard, with the headset, waving pom-poms. No, he was gone. He disappeared. That does not sit well with teammates, right? Or brothers, as a lot of of young men on football teams view themselves in locker rooms and and in, in football settings, right? I think losing Alex Hornibrook, no matter who the replacement is, in this case it's Jack Cohen, and I think he will do rather well, addition by subtraction. They're going to get better just by getting Alex Hornibrook out of the situation. It also doesn't hurt that Alex Hornibrook, in my opinion, was a pretty poor quarterback. Decision-making, ability, athleticism, take your pick. I mean, he just looked awkward out there. So it's not like they're losing an incredible quarterback who just had off-the-field issues. It was a little bit of both. I'm excited this Saturday because there was um, there was some college football on last week. Uh, Miami playing Florida. And and a couple other weird games with some schools that I had never heard of being played in stadiums that I had never seen before, right? But the, but college football really starts this weekend. And part of what I'm excited about is is turning on the TV and watching a couple of Big Ten games, right? Of course, Fox has the Big Ten or, or the Big Ten Network, which is a subsidiary of Fox. And and 11 a.m. watching I don't know Purdue Indiana. That's actually a pretty awful game. It, let me let me. This is my fantasy, so I can I can draw it up any way I want. Let's say. Purdue, Wisconsin, or Iowa, Michigan State, or Michigan, Ohio State, right? I love the Big Ten. I love Big Ten games. I love the storylines. I love the other teams. I like to see the Big Ten Conference do well, and and I think that's a little bit unique, a little bit different than other sports like the NFL or the MLB, right? I don't know if I necessarily take pride in the NFC. Like, oh, that's the Packers Conference. I need to, I, I, I want to see that conference do well. Right or Major League Baseball, like I'm, I, I'm National League. Right, I want to see the National League do well. Eh, I'm a Brewer fan. I'm a Packer fan. I don't know if it goes much deeper than that. Now in the NBA, I think I have a little bit of pride in the Eastern Conferences. I think probably most Bucks fans do because 
fans of Eastern Conference teams are so sick of the Eastern Conference being played up as so inferior to the Western Conference as it has been in years past. We want to see it be a little bit more balanced because I don't like when the Bucks' wins are downplayed while they're in the East, right? That, that wears on me a little bit. So maybe I have a little bit of a conference loyalty in the NBA, but the Big Ten is different, right? College football is different. And there's so many interesting Big Ten storylines this year. Ohio State, obviously, with a brand new coach, with a brand new quarterback, is Dwayne Haskins graduate. And most people don't don't fully grasp this. Dwayne Haskins was one of the better Ohio State quarterbacks in history, one of the best passers in Ohio State history. He's really, really good. And I think because he went to Ohio State, we just assume that there's another one in the pipeline or he's just another Ohio State quarterback. And then sometimes there's some truth to that. But it's a year of change for Ohio State. Can the new regime continue what we saw under Urban Meyer for such an impressive run? Okay, I'm interested in Michigan because now that Urban Meyer is gone, I don't know if, I don't know if Harbaugh has an excuse. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh has an excuse not only to not beat Ohio State, he has to do that this year. But to if not win the Big Ten, get darn close, right? Because if if Urban Meyer's gone and Ohio State's gone, what excuse does he have in his way? I'm fascinated to see what Nate Stanley does at Iowa because he had that huge coming out game against Ohio State. We all remember that, that great moment, right? And then what? Not a whole lot. I think he underwhelmed last year. Northwestern, can they follow up what they did last year? Can they prove that making the Big Ten championship game wasn't a fluke? It wasn't because Wisconsin was bad. It wasn't because the Big Ten West was down. It was because Pat Fitzgerald is running a really good team. Teams that have something to prove, performances they have to back up, right? I I, I can't wait for the Big Ten this year. I think it's going to be fascinating. We have to talk talk Packers. We have to talk local action. The Drew Kelly coming up at 545. We have a lot to get to. Let's take a break. The... the, Breaking news, Rick Solom from Lacrosse Talk uh, PM. You have breaking news. Breaking What's up, news, Rick? the Milwaukee Bucks are bringing in ISO Joe Johnson, 38 years old, for a workout. They brought him in for a NBA workout. NBA championship, here we come. <laughs> you think ISO Joe's going to get him there? Yeah, Of course, yes. That's what we need in today's NBA, isolation ball yeah, from I mean, a 38-year-old oversized now, shooting guard. Now that you put it that way, isolation is not really a thing anymore, so having ISO in your name, probably yeah. not. And we've Probably got great. we've got Captain ISO Giannis, so we're good. We're good in the ISO department. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think. Anyway, so too. okay, I got to show you. ISO Joe, thanks, Rick. Uh, that breaking news provided by our uh, our, our co host Rick Solom, uh, who is over on WIZM as we speak. Big Ten, NBA, we're hitting it all today. Let's do Packers. Let's do the NFL next here on the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports, right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. You can always listen 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com. You should always be checking out our website. We always got giveaways going on. We gave away some Brickyard 400 tickets. Right now, I have eight Brewers tickets to give away uh, for next week's series against the Astros. Uh, The night of September 3rd, next Tuesday night. The Astros are an awesome team. How fun would it be to get down there and and watch the Brewers play the Astros? Plus, it's kind of an uncommon opponent. You never know when you're going to get to see Altuve or Springer or Verlander at Miller Park again. So I have eight tickets, two four-packs. Shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558, and they're yours. All you got to do. 
We've been talking college football. We've talked Brewers. We've hit just about everything today uh, except for the NFL. We're going to talk local football coming up with Drew Kelly. Uh, Logan, Central, on Alaska all have games, big games uh, coming up near the end of this week, and we're going to be covering them. So we'll talk to our, our local expert in the voice of local sports here on WKTY, Drew Kelly, in about 10 minutes. Yesterday, we talked uh, about the Minnesota Vikings. You remember? I had, uh, I, I, look, I think that this upcoming Viking season has potential to be a disaster because I think Mike Zimmer is difficult to get along with. I think he's very abrasive. I think he's very deflective, and he gives the impression constantly that what goes wrong with the Vikings is not his fault. And for a year or two or three, when the pressure's not on, when there's not a lot of money being spent, when the team isn't talented, that's fine. That's okay. But when there are expectations, and when there's a bunch of money being paid to Kirk Cousins, or when there's high draft picks being spent at positions of need. Well, now all of a sudden that that attitude, that demeanor is pretty abrasive and it can divide a locker room, right? It can divide a football team. I'm keeping an eye on the Vikings. I'm keeping an eye on Mike Zimmer and how he behaves with his team because I think there's some some disaster potential with this Vikings team. Just like I think there's disaster potential with the with the Packers, with the Lions, with the Bears. I mean, there's always that potential to me, it becomes a little bit more salient with the Vikings. It becomes a little bit more obvious with the Vikings. When I hear Mike Zimmer press conference after press conference after press conference say, the offense is bad today, made mistakes, can't have it, too many three and outs, bad field goal kicking, piss poor performance, we need to be better or we're not going to win games. But then, when he talks about the defense, when he's asked about the defense, well, you know, it's it's the preseason you know, we don't game plan. We're running very vanilla schemes out there. We're not playing all of our starters, right? We're still in the early phases of installing some of these things. And, you know, we, we gave up a player too, but we just misplayed it. Like, th- those are things that can be fixed. Very different demeanor, very different approach, very different attitude to the offense and to the defense. That can come across a little bit hypocritical. We discussed that yesterday. Talked about that yesterday. I'm at home today. I'm, I'm cooking up my turkey burger for lunch. I'm eating some wheat thins, right? And I got my laptop out. And I'm doing a little bit of reading about Jack Cohen and, and the Badgers. I'm doing a little reading about the Brewers. I'm getting ready for the show, right? Trying to figure out what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to have to say. And in the background, I got ESPN on. I'm switching back and forth between ESPN and, and Fox and NBC. And I was on Cowherd's show on FS1 this afternoon for a little bit. And, and there were some interesting segments. And he did a segment on the NFC North. Specifically, head coaches and, and, and how their relationship will be with their quarterback or with their team. Comes time to talk about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. And, and I actually was caught a little bit off guard because, wait, does Colin Coward actually agree with me? Kirk Cousins is 5-13 and 13 in primetime TV games. He has a brand now. He clenches his teeth in big games. Mike Zimmer coached for 35 years. Before Mike Zimmer was given a head coaching job in the NFL. He's in his 60s. This is his big job. He is a great coach. He has a great defense. They have a star running back in Delvin Cook. They have two star receivers and a way above average tight end. Let me ask you. When Kirk Cousins chokes like a cat on a hairball in another primetime TV game. 
and you're in week seven, and you're already two back of Green Bay and one back of Chicago. You think Mike Zimmer's going to come in, Kirk Cousins, high five, we'll get him next time, Tiger. I think that relationship is, is walking on eggshells. That was from this afternoon. So yesterday night, talking about how Zimmer and the Vikings, I, I think at some point this season they might be at odds. They might be at odds. And, and, and Cowherd made this a little bit more about Kirk Cousins than he did about Mike Zimmer, and that's fine. He, he's still getting to the very crux of my argument that at some point this season, should things go south, there will be a divide. That relationship ain't going to be strong. It ain't going to be great. There could be a little bit of a divide. Now, I'm being a little bit more critical of Mike Zimmer. Cow heard a little bit more critical of Kirk Cousins, but the crux of the argument, right, the basis for this argument and this take is, is very, very similar, almost identical. You know why Mike Zimmer has only had one coaching job in his career, although he has been a tremendous coordinator. He's a great coordinator for a long time in Cincinnati. You know why? Because you only have to be accountable for certain things as a coordinator. As a defensive coordinator, you're not held accountable for the kicker. You're not held accountable for the running backs or the offensive line or for personnel or for discipline. You're held accountable for your defense and how it performs and 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 for a, 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 a gruff, angry, abrasive man, that works. Because Mike Zimmer can say, my defense isn't good enough, and damn it, I'm going to fix it. And that's under his control. He doesn't have to answer for the offense, or the kicker, or the punter, or or how he chooses to discipline a a player who may have broken a team rule, or or, or had a, a failed drug test. He's responsible for the defense, that's it, end of story. When you're made a head coach your umbrella of responsibility becomes much wider. Mike McCarthy, in every press conference I ever watched, and Mike McCarthy was not without flaws, but one thing you cannot knock Mike McCarthy for is that he was not accountable as a head coach. Mike McCarthy, everything was him. Yeah, well, you know, that's on me. I'm the head coach. That that falls under my responsibility. I have to get these guys ready to play. Well, you know, the defense, I'm the head coach. I, I hire the defensive coordinator. I okay the staff. I okay every everything falls under the umbrella of the head coach, and that's why the best head coaches, the one who in, the ones who enjoy the longest tenures, the ones who get multiple chances, are the ones who are in press conferences falling on the sword for their assistant coaches, for their players, for their for their staff, because those players, those assistant coaches, those coordinators will want to go to battle for that head coach after they see that, because that head coach is willing to put himself on the line for his coworkers. If I'm a, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, or I'm Kirk Cousins, or I'm an offensive lineman, or any assistant coach, and I have a bad game, and I'm feeling down, I'm feeling just, I'm feeling down, feeling frustrated, I'm feeling dejected, feeling like nothing's going right. And I hear Mike Zimmer go to the podium, and, and let's be real, at this point, Mike Zimmer is a public relations director. It is his job to send out a message to the media. This is what our team is thinking. This is what our team is doing. He is a public relations specialist because he's putting the message out. And if I'm an assistant coach or a player who just had a really bad day and I watch that press conference, hear that press conference, and Mike Zimmer calls me out, says, yeah, it's his fault. It's not my fault. It's, it's his fault. They were terrible today. God, they have to be better or we're going to find somebody who is. Why is that uplifting? Why is that motivating? 
Why should that player or coach want to work any harder or coach any harder or play any harder for a head coach who wouldn't be willing to do the same for them? That's what Mike Zimmer's problem is. And if the Vikings play well and their kicking woes are figured out and and Kirk Cousins plays better in big games and against big competition, then this won't be an issue. But I think the book is out on Kirk Cousins and the book is out on the Vikings kicking situation and I think there will be issues and will be problems. And I think the attitude of Mike Zimmer could at one point be a real issue for this Vikings team this upcoming season. Something to watch. But you hear other analysts getting on it. Less than 24 hours later, you hear, you hear Colin Coward talking about it. Say what you want about Colin Coward. He's had a long career, a very successful career, and he makes over $5 million a year. Guy's not dumb. Other people see this. This isn't just me. This just isn't Wisconsin sports guy Grant wanting to throw shade at, at Mike Zimmer, who I think is a great coach. X's nose but has some severe communication issues with the rest of his team, and I think it could be a problem. None of our local teams have any problems at all, right? Central uh, was great against Eau Claire North. I thought Logan against Memorial, although the final score didn't indicate it. If you were at that game, you know that there was plenty of reason, plenty of success scattered throughout that game. I thought Logan and Central had a great first week. Alaska was great uh, against a really, really tough opponent uh, from the Big Rivers Conference in Hudson. All these teams, I think, are off to a great start. We're going to talk about a couple of these squads with the voice uh, and the mastermind of local sports here on WKTY and our sister station, WIZM. That's Drew Kelly. He's going to take the long walk from the Wisdom Newsroom uh, to share some of his wisdom and insight and join the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, We got a couple of Brewers tickets to give away. Zach, don't worry, we got you. RJ, don't worry, we got you. You're both going to get a four-pack of Brewers tickets to see them play the Astros next Tuesday uh, at Miller Park. College football starting this weekend. We'll have one more round of preseason football. Then we're talking about the real thing next week. High school football so far is very real. High school doesn't need a preseason, interestingly enough. Uh, we are one week in. We have a bunch more games both tomorrow and on Friday to talk about. And, and here uh, to break it all down is Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports here on WKTY and on WIZM. Drew, what's up today, man? Not much. How's it going? I- I'm doing well. It's It's been a little bit of a hectic week. Yeah. Uh, we got the Packers on tomorrow, so I won't be on air. And I was planning to not be on air on Friday because I was uh, planning to make a trek up to River Falls. Hunter and I were going to call on Alaska River Falls, and now that's looking like it's just not going to be possible. Not going to be the case. Uh, just haven't been able to uh, secure a spot in the very spacious UW-River Falls uh, broadcast booth. So, uh, you know, looking at the uh, possibilities and kind of the way it was being described, I'm like, this guy has to be a hole of a broadcast booth. And yeah. we've, we've called some games from holes. Tree houses. We tree houses yeah. uh, in the past. And so we were thinking that was going to be the case. And then I find out it's at the nice, fancy new campus uh, press box, which is not the type of description I was getting no. uh, previously. So uh, just not going to be able to get the confirmation. So I uh, don't want to have you guys uh, sitting in the parking lot uh, trying to call your game from 300 feet away. You know, I would have been, I would have been <laughs> so mad, Drew. And I know it would have been no one's fault. But if Hunter and I would have driven up to River Falls. It's like, oh, yeah, we don't have spice for you. Sorry. Oh, are you kidding me? I've only done a game from a car once, and that was because it was... 40 degrees in Anago, Wisconsin, and they wanted us to do a baseball game. And so me and my broadcast partner were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep the charger, the car charger. We're going to yep. hook that up to the uh, 
the cords that we need to, and we're going to put the heat on. And we're going to close the doors and the windows. <laughs> and we stuck a little stick mic out of the window. Oh, I was going to say, you got so to get the crowd noise. get the crowd noise for the high school baseball game at 40 degrees. And the tin of the in the ding of the bat, it was obviously a metal bat. Yep. It was the most enjoyable broadcast I've ever had in my life. <laughs> you had your cup holders and everything. Yeah, right and there. We, when the game was over, we just drove right out. Drove away. <laughs> you know, actually, if you could get a good view, that's not. Yeah. We were about 20 feet away from home plate. So, I mean, you couldn't really bash the umpire. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we could just let the river fall people. Like, we could just pull the WKTY truck right onto the track or right. I mean, just park it there. Yeah. I mean, it's not the end of the world, yeah. but it's a huge field. Like, the press box is massive on Rammer Field, and it's brand new. Like, it's been renovated yeah. recently, so it's but We'll be getting uh, plenty of Onalaska games, a couple of Onalaska games set up for uh, October as well. So, uh, Onalaska fans, don't... Uh, don't fret. Don't fret. We'll uh, definitely be uh, carrying the Hilltoppers this season. Well, let's start with the Hilltoppers a little bit. We didn't have an opportunity to watch on Alaska last week, but they had an awesome b- battle with Hudson, and their quarterback was tremendous. And and the story this year is there's, there's going to be a lot of great quarterbacks yeah. uh, in this area, not just in this conference, but in the surrounding area. Uh, right, and we've had a, an opportunity to see Johnny Davis, and, and you talk about Wisniski and what Sparta, oh my God, what Sparta was able to do points. last week. Yeah, and let's let's talk about on Alaska. Let's start there. Uh, a great performance out of them, and it, it was kind of interesting kind of watching part of the game back uh, later on, just the def- the defense that they showed. I mean, this is a team that was always about the pass. They were about the air raid, putting up, you know, 45, 50 points a game. If they put up 21 points, usually you're going to get blown out yeah. if you're on Alaska. used to be, uh, but now they rely on their defense, and 21 points can win them a game, and that's it, that's. Uh, very important when you talk about some of the offenses in the Mississippi Valley Conference. If they have the ability to shut some of those teams down and still have that great offense, uh, they're going to be dangerous here this season. And I think uh, last week was a great test for them. And obviously they got the win late in the game. Yeah, and that was a back-and-forth game. Huge chunk plays in the first half. You had like an 80-yard touchdown, a 60-yard yeah. touchdown, just going back and forth as I'm following on my phone. The games that we were at last week were between Lacrosse Logan uh, and Lacrosse Central. They split a, a pair of games between uh, the Eau Claire schools, both Memorial and North. I, this is my overarching take, and, and I'll ask if you agree with it. I thought Central and Logan, for the most part, were both very, very impressive, yeah. and they both showed very impressive things. I think the difference was their competition yeah. and the teams they were playing. Like, Would you agree with that? For sure, and I think you take a look at Central. Uh, we did that game first, and I think they did what they were supposed to do. I think they came out, and they basically took the, you know, took the game to North on the very first drive, uh, Terrence Thompson had a couple of catches. That was interesting to see how quickly they they got him involved and how uh, you know monstrous he is on the football He's field big. as we were expecting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a couple of the catches, he basically just looked like he was a post player boxing out. I mean, his size is just so massive. And we talked about that when like uh, Jeremy uh, Jimmy Graham came in for the Packers, how he was just going to box people out with his size, and that's exactly what Terrence Thompson did on Thursday night. And uh, obviously, Johnny Davis, uh, a great performance out of him, running and passing over 100 yards in both categories there. And Jordan Davis, it's amazing, like the catch-to-touchdown ratio, yeah. three catches, three touchdowns, like that's all he does. He's, he scores touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter where on the field. I think the one, he was had a, a 35-yard touchdown. The other was like a, a little screen pass, and he took it uh, the rest of the way with his legs. Um, so they had a very explosive game. Peter Fleming did some nice things uh, running the football. And they showed some depth at that position. Uh, yeah. J.D. Thomas had a great uh, second half, obviously. Uh, still starters in there for Eau Claire North, so very impressive for him. We'll be interested to see how involved he gets throughout the rest of the season if you know he kind of splits some carries with 
uh, Peter Fleming, or if uh, Peter Fleming is going to be the main bell cow running the football. Uh, and defensively, I was impressed with uh, Malachi Potts. Really oh. uh, caused some havoc yeah. in the interior of that line. And so uh, we talked about the secondary being young and the defensive line going to have to step up and kind of be the force of that defense. And I think as far as one game is concerned, they did that. I, I, and I think Johnny Davis, you talk about both running and passing. He had one run that was just incredible yeah. where he was spinning, jumping, hurtling, <laughs> lowering his shoulder. He did everything and almost scored. And much like we saw with uh, with Loyal Crawford in the Memorial game, which we'll talk about next, I thought passing, Johnny Davis was good. I thought there were a lot of opportunities where he left a little bit of meat on the bone, whether that was the receiver dropping a good pass or where Johnny Davis missed a, a great throw by just a couple of inches. Yeah. Like, I think he's going to get better as a passer than what we saw last week. No, I agree. Uh, 8 of 19. So obviously the percentage, you'd like that percentage to be about 60%, 62% mm-hmm. for a high school player would be pretty good. Um, in in this type of uh, offense, uh, given how many times they pass the football. Uh, and he's going to need to pass it more when you come against Eau Claire Memorial, who obviously has a lot more talent on their side of the ball. Uh, last week, they could just kind of rely on the run game. You know, They got him out of the game pretty early there in the second half. Uh, he's going to have to obviously improve. Uh, but uh, you take a look at uh, Eau Claire Memorial, a lot of weapons on the outside, a lot of returning starters, mm-hmm. which obviously uh, makes a difference as far as the secondary trying to match up with that offense. And uh, also, uh, Loyal Crawford, over 131 yards, four touchdowns in three quarters. Yeah, didn't, play the fr- yeah didn't play the first quarter uh, and really showed his dominance in that game. And so that should be a fun contest. As, as far as Logan goes, uh, I think you have to be impressed with what they started with. I think uh, they talked about the, you know, the depth of that team. I think what you saw, what you saw is they didn't just kind of get worn down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a great opening impression, I thought, for the first quarter and a half, 22 points. That's something to build on when you're talking about tinkering with an offense and not knowing exactly what you have. I think you have a solid base there for Cross Logan. So what's your schedule like tomorrow night and Friday night? Because now I'm off the hook. What <laughs> so, are you up to? Yeah, so Central uh, Memorial coming up tomorrow at yep. 7, 6.50 pregame on Wisdom. And then on Friday, it'll be here on WKTY, our first high school broadcast on KTY. Uh, Logan taking on North, both of those games. You know, Claire, you can find it on the app find it on uh wktysports.com and also 96.7 fm 580 a.m yeah of course drew lots in, of ways to, to listen to yeah watch. absolutely and enjoy the game and hopefully you don't have to call a game from the inside of your car right. that's, <laughs> it should that's be fun yeah thanks thanks again drew i appreciate uh appreciate it as always tune in tomorrow night friday night lots of high school action and check the schedule at wktysports.com because as we have learned in the last couple of days things can change so stay up to date Packers on tomorrow. The Wisco Sports Show will be back on Friday. Same time, same place. Talk to you then.